welcome to... Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, brought to you by Crack Rackets. My name is Alex Gruskin, and joining me on today's podcast, the holy trinity of the GSP, starting with always my doubles partner, partner in crime... Actually, Fliegner's going to get mad at that intro, but we'll leave it in anyways. And my well, it's all right. Leave it in for him to edit. And my go-to co-host, Maxwell LeBauer Rothman. Maxie, hey, great shot. I was going to say there are multiple people who might be upset with that. I think Sokoviak well, might think he deserves that right now. And yeah, that that was a bold, a bold take right there. That was a hot uh, my, take for the my, day. My tennis coach, Ed Nagel, used to always say he was like the genius Scotty Bowman, the former Red Wings coach, who always knows how to prick his players into the right. So I just want you guys all antsy, wanting to come on fiery onto the podcast. So I'm just trying to get everyone going. I love you all equally, well, I swear. But also— I was going to say the fiery one now will be our <laughs> our guest here today. Joining us on today's Great Shot podcast, he is Crack Rackets contributor extraordinaire, former Denizen men's tennis superstar, and the Pied Piper of the forehand slice. It's our very own James Falsta McDonald. Jamie, hey, great shot. Hey, you had it exactly right. I'm the third man in the Trinity. There's nothing else. There's no one else. There's no one else. If we're going by text sent to me per person— Roth and I have been beefing a lot recently, so he's still number one, but you may have passed Fliegner in terms of how often we've been talking just with the live show and everything coming up. Speaking of which, let's get the housekeeping out of the way now. We say this at every one of our recaps, but if you have missed anything from this U.S. Open, go to our website, CrackedRackets.com. Of course, you listeners have already set it as your homepage for the week, so you haven't missed anything. But, you know, tell your friends about it because there's so many great takes, so much great content. You have Alex Gornett talking about Roger Federer's loss to Millman. You know, that on top of the emergency pod Roth and I recorded yesterday. And Roth and I have to say you sound much better over microphone than you did over the phone. Um, Yeah, I sure would hope so. (laughs) <laughs> We've also got Ryan Kardick, Matt Stokowiak, who wrote about the big three staying power. You know, I look a little smarter today, given the Federer loss to take that. Stokowiak, you took some shots at me in the article. Don't think I didn't write, read it. I saw those shots, so the joke's on you right now. <laughs> also, Anna Bright about Naomi Osaka, Parson Namadi, Bo Trays, you know, Parker Thienem, and Robert Tonemis. The whole By team the way, is bringing you. Naomi Osaka is steamrolling. I just had to throw that out Slaughtering. Unbelievable. We are going to do this fun fact later on, but you know, her and Nishikori both making the semifinals. First time ever a man and a woman from Japan have been in the semifinals of a major at the same time. That's awesome. Pretty. Do you think that Uniqlo's right? Is Uniqlo a Japanese company? I'm pretty sure. Yes. Yeah. Coincidence? Uniqlo starts pouring money into this, and now we see a rise of Southeast Asian players. I don't think that's a coincidence. I (laughs) think it's fall of Roger Federer. Not not coincidental. We, we can uh, study that on a later pod. But again, go check out our website. Follow the social media accounts, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Obviously, you're listening to a Great Shot podcast now. But if you haven't already, listen, rate, subscribe, review to this podcast as well as our other podcast, the Crack Interviews podcast. So many great guests. You know the deal by now. I'm not going to list them again. All i say is go check it out and you will not be disappointed. And last but not least... I'm glad I have you both here because we are now less than seven days away from our live show in Indy for the men's finals. I think it's like five now. Let's talk about five days. Yeah. I was about to say, I don't know where your math is, but yeah, it's, it's a lot less than seven. 
<laughs> well, I wasn't wrong, but I was rounding. Uh, I mean, yeah, you, you I mean, were less, it, also, it is less than it's also, seven. <laughs> it's also less than 100. So. <laughs> yeah, hey, very true. And, you know, again, that live hey, show will be broadcast. Job. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be broadcasting. And, of course, after our pregame show, we'll be taking you live throughout the U.S. Open men's singles final. Uh, you know, sh- again, so many fun gimmicks planned, so many guests. Rothman, you want to share some of the guests that will be there? Absolutely. And, you know, obviously we've made this very clear that we've got some fun guests coming on to our show on September 9th, which is this Sunday. And if you are tuning in to our podcast for the first time or you haven't seen any of our stuff on social media, I'll run you through really quickly who we've got coming so far. A few more of those guests will be announced tomorrow. But to name a few, we've got a spew of coaches. We've got Manny Diaz from Georgia. We've got David Roditi from TCU. We've got Ryan Satchire from Notre Dame. We've got Daniel Pollock from Butler and Coach Brian Smith from Smith Tennis. We also have a spew of players as well. We've got some American youngins, Jared Donaldson, Mackie McDonald, and Ty Kwiatkowski, who we've had on the pod a few times. We've also got a few other players. We've got Eric Quigley, who, if you don't know him, he is the winningest player in NCAA history. And we have Roger Rashid. Can I just say, I know Gornett says that about Quigley. I haven't looked it up. He may have the most wins, but how could anyone have a higher win percentage than Steve Johnson? The guy goes undefeated his last two years. Yeah, I was I was gonna say that surprised me when I saw it, but I'm I'm just gonna take his word for it. And if he's wrong, then I'm gonna slap him in the face. Tis fault. Yeah, well, you will um, see him at the live show because on top of those guests. Sorry, did I cut you off? Are there any more? Well, as I say, the, we're, let's not leave out our our last guest. We've got Roger Rashid. He's an ATP board member, a Lacoste coach at Elite Behavior. And we should also mention. We should also mention, you know, Roger Rashid, a very popular coach, has coached so many great players over the years. And a lot of these people, some coming into the studio, again, that's a live broadcast. You'll get to see us on video, which is always fun. I have my green sweater already packed, but a lot of these people will be calling in as well. Don't you dare wear that green sweater. (laughs) Well, I thought you were bringing your green sweater as well. We'll have to coordinate colors after the pod, but let's go sweaters for this one. Uh, But then in terms of our Cracked Rackets team, again, myself, Max, Jamie, Gornett, everything impossible, Rob Thomas, uh, Paparazzi Westoff, the Vince of our crew, Alex Ariza, all of these guys will be in attendance. So you're really going to, it's the full Cracker Rackets team trying to make this men's final, you know, as enjoyable for you, the viewers possible. So be sure to check that out. But all right, with that. I'm just going to say Such a good quarterfinal round of question. I feel like we haven't explained enough why we think this broadcast is going to be so special. A lot of players today complained about the commentating that was going on. We're hoping to bring you something a little more lighthearted, a little more fun. Um, we're, def- we're definitely going to throw some gimmicks into this show, and obviously we're, we're bringing on some cool players and coaches. So... Tune in. We're going to have some fun. Hopefully it's fun for you. There might even be some trivia and some prizes if you're able to, you know, answer that trivia. So tune in. It should should be a good time. Absolutely. Jamie, any thoughts? I'm so excited. It's less than 100 days away, and I am incredibly (laughs) antsy. Uh, No, it's going to be a ton of fun, all of us together in Indy. Uh, you know, the true melting pot of the Cracked Rackets team. We're going to be on screen. We're going to be talking to cool people. We're going to, you know, be putting together some commentary that's not stuffy and terrible. It's going to be great. I can't wait. 
I just can't wait for you to give me shit. the best reaction I get out of everyone. I think the reason I've enjoyed my Cracked Records experience so much, the first time I met Westoff, the very first thing he says is, God damn it, you're tall. And so I'm <laughs> expecting that reaction from you as well, Jamie, because that, that's the one thing I have going for me. The gangliness, the eyebrows, the sweater selection, whatever. At least I've got the height. I'm Those honestly... are like the three most depressing things to list of like what you're proud about for yourself. Yeah. I, have this, I have this sweater and like my eyebrows and yeah, I'm kind of tall. I'm like, honestly that's... most excited that's for the, the CR tennis tournament. Ooh, oh, yeah. you think that – is that going to be a CR live feature? Well, I have to get some live oh, streaming of that. West F and I talked about it. Yeah, West F and I talk about it. We're, oh, we're absolutely. Going. Don't worry. Dalton's either going to throw his racket at me or I'm going to quit tennis forever. It'll go one of there two There will ways. be all right. a cracked racket. That's all I know. 110%. <laughs> That's where the CR Foundation starts. But okay, enough <laughs> with the Michigas. It's 10 minutes <laughs> Let's in. The, Let's, Let's talk going. a little bit of tennis yeah, because this go. quarterfinal <laughs> round was tr- – yeah, it, it is funny. But this quarterfinal round – made up for the fourth round it it was spectacular the first three matches in particular yeah thank god indeed and the first three matches in particular we're going to talk about i mean they're all barn burners and you know tennis twitter we'll we'll talk about them as a community later but it was set aflame you know the should we play slams best of three sets for men's singles best of five sets that debate was constant we had you know just endless amounts of winners from these guys and Rothman, I guess the first question, did the quality of play in this round make up for the previous round? Absolutely. I had a great time watching this tennis. I mean, if you didn't watch the Nadal team, I know I always say, I feel like I say this once a pod where I'm like, you got to go watch the highlights of this match. This Is that, hold is, on, is that your sports reporter voice? This is Max Rothman on the scene. No, it like started, it was going to be like a uh, old... Grandpa-esque. Oh, this is Max Roth. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got um, there. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, th- this is the ma- the match to watch from the quarterfinals. Unbelievable tennis so, team so, was hitting hundred mile an hour over, after hundred mile an hour forehand. I mean, it was crazy. So then that's where we're going to start. Rafael Nadal, the it. number one seed, takes out number nine seed, Dominic Team. 0-6-6-4-7-5-6-7-7-6. A fun stat to start off in this coverage. 16 players in the history of Grand Slam quarterfinal matches had lost the first set of the match 6-0. All 16 of those players lost. Jamie, I mean, we can get into the match later on, but what went right? What did you see from team in that first set? Did you think, you know, oh, wow, he can? this is an incredible level? Or did you think it was just Nadal just didn't come out with any energy? No, I mean, it was it, for me, this was mostly team, like 85%. He was just absolutely cranking the ball. He and, played you know, yeah, it so f***ing yeah. well. It was, it was as close to flawless as you can be in a tennis match. Like... It was it was absolutely nuts. You know, he was just slapping from the from the baseline, and uh, I mean, yeah, that wasn't Nadal's best, but by no means did Nadal just give it to him. Team was just absolutely waxing the ball, running him off the court, line to line, corner to corner. I mean, it was it was an absolute thrill to watch. But I think everyone kind of had the feeling, and I'm sure Team did too, that after that happened, the tide was going to turn at least somewhat. It's funny if you listen to the commentating after that first set, they were saying how. Nadal was flat-footed and he was nervous. This was a, a matter of nerves. And, I, and again, I'm I'm agreeing with you guys completely. 
I think team absolutely deserved that set. He played unbelievable. Sure, a little bit of that was given to him by Nadal, but I'm also going to go ahead and say this. I don't think Nadal deserved this match. I think this absolutely should have gone to team. I think it's devastating that he lost, and I'm just upset. I really so, am. A couple, I, I will turn to a bunch of statistics. You know, we'll get through our usual breakdown. First thing I want to address, though, for J- from Jamie, you said team was on top of the baseline, slugging away. I think the most impressive thing I th- saw from Dominic team this entire match, it didn't matter how far behind the baseline he was, he could hit backhands, one handed backhands off yep. of Rafael Nadal forehands past the service line in response. And, you know, to me, that is just not even past the service line he was hitting winners from like five feet behind the baseline it was just it was unbelievable and i mean you look at some of the stats from this match to your point rothman total points one team wins 171 points to nadal's 166 obviously that first set lopsides that score in total but you know from the get-go for Rafael Nadal to win a match against any righty with a one-handed backhand, you know what to expect. You know he's going to go after the backhand. You know he's going to try and seek out that inside-in, first ball, forehand, work you over in the point over and over again, you know, hit backhands down the line to your one-hander. And again, for Dominic Team, Rothman, you made this point, or I, I don't know if you made this point, but this is something we were discussing. You know, you're saying he was hitting it so well. I truly believe I have never seen Roger Federer hit the high backhand that well. Fligner, cue the sizzle. That's my hot take. Rothman, what do you think? So, (laughs) I think you're going to be in awe of me saying this. I honestly think after watching this match last night and going through some highlights, I will confidently say that team has a better one-handed backhand than Federer. I said it. Ooh boy, that's bold. I, mean, I ooh, that's hot. That's, that's hot. Yeah, that, that's, that's a, a sizzle. sizzle. I that's can feel sizzle. that from here. Well, the counterpoint uh, of our argument was team doesn't have the slice variety that Federer does. Jamie, weigh in. Well, all right. First, I gotta I gotta go after you, Gruskin, because you said that I said on top of the baseline. I said from the baseline. So okay. generally speaking, just baseline points. So that fair, doesn't mean he fair. has to be on top of the baseline. But I guess what I'm just trying to emphasize is how far behind the baseline he was because yeah. it was noticeable. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, we there couldn't were times even see you, them on the They TV. had to pan the camera over. <laughs> yeah. They had to pan it over. <laughs> it like, crazy. half the court wasn't even in it. And they're like, oh, hey, here's team's shoe. Like, it was absurd. <laughs> like, they were – and Nadal was doing it too, you know, but he's been doing that for years. Anyway, to the backhand debate, I think – I think one thing you got to look at here is the way team was able to get on top of it. And this is when he did take the ball early. A lot of the times insane that timing that he was able to pull off. How many winners did we see where Nadal would try to take him out wide? The classic cross court. We've seen it a million times. Team just steps on top of it and pops it 95 down the line. It was nuts. I've never seen I've never seen a player do it that consistently. And you over talk the about the statistics from this match: winners to unforced errors. Nadal, a respectable fifty-five to forty-nine. I mean, for Nadal, you, you know, we can talk about this in a. Uh, well, we can talk about this now. Uh, for him, it was the tale of two matches, right? There was the Rafa Nadal, who was the aggressor, who hits these fifty-five winners, who you know makes sixty-six percent of his first serves, wins sixty-seven percent of those points. Uh, he goes to the net. 56 times in this match, a remarkable amount for Rafa, wins 36 of those, 64% conversion rate. 
that was the Rafa who was, you know, really attacking the backhand quarter, really attacking the outer thirds, trying to get teams stretched off the court. And because he was so far behind the baseline, Rafa was able to sneak in, cut off the team ball, hit that volley short angle. And, you know, to team's credit, he was tracking down f***ing everything. I mean, again, he played flawless. But the other thing I noticed from Rafa in this match too often, especially early on, and maybe this is just a credit to team, he was tentative, right, Rothman? He played kind of defensive, and it was unexpected. Yeah, I mean, I want to say that's probably because of the way team was hitting. Um, It it definitely pushed him off his back foot, but I agree. I I think the reason that Nadal turned it back around was because he found the short balls and did attack them. but yeah, I agree. Overall, it's not the aggressive style of play that I think you usually see from Nadal. Uh, but again, I, w- I want to credit it mainly to team just absolutely destroying forehands yeah. and backhands all over the court. You talk about his stats, team 74 winners, crazy against Rafa, who's also, you know, he's quite the mover himself. He's going to track down a ton of balls, and he did in this match, but still, team hit 74 winners against 58 unforced errors. Considering how much he was gunning the ball, that's a tremendous ratio. Again, Jamie already mentioned this. The depth and and the elevation over the net he was able to get with his backhand from any point of the court. I've never seen someone swing that violently and produce a result that looks, you know, that's deserved of the swing. It was so impressive. You know, again, Nadal, 66% of his first serves go in. Team, 58. First serve win percentage, 67. Nadal, 71 team. Second serve, both guys, 56%. A lot more free points for team. 18 aces against four double faults versus Nadal's three uh, aces and four double faults. You talk again about net points. Nadal 36 of 56. Team 13 or 18 of 31. He also did a pretty good job moving forward. Uh, and I mean, and then you talk about distance covered. You know, 15,270.4 for Nadal. 15,018.3 for team. For Nadal, we can talk about this later, but you just have to wonder, so many miles on him in this event between this match, the Hachanov match, having to play, sorry, the Kachanov match, having to go Kiechnov. four against Vasilishvili. You know, he may be, you know, Delpo is such a tall task, no pun intended, so it'll be interesting to see. Rothman, I know you have something to say, but I really want to, uh, go ahead actually first, and no. then I have a question. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I don't know if we how long we want to talk about this match because we could probably talk about it for a long time. But I, I could do, I do the think, full pot on this. Yeah, the biggest setback, I think, for team in this match were the break points. I know it doesn't look too bad on paper, but there were just some points where they should have been his. There were break points in that third set that he should have won, which would have won him the set. And you win that third set, go up 2-1 to one on Nadal, and that's a whole new match. Having to fight back and win that fourth, it's hard to win a fifth set against Nadal in, in any circumstance. I completely agree with you. And we've talked about this match enough, but I want to do one more thing about Dominic team, And this is, you know, I think he's earned this conversation considering this result, considering he made a French Open final earlier this year. You look at some of the success he's had this summer. You know, not the best summer. Loses first round Rogers Cup, first round in Austria, quarterfinals in Germany. Uh, he lost first round Wimbledon as well. But then to have this result, and obviously he won a Masters event earlier this year as well. Make you know, as we said, makes the final in France. Uh, Jamie, 
Dominic Team is a. I think he's twenty four years old, twenty five years old now. He's a little bit older 25. than the Zverevs, the Tiafos, the Tsitsipas of the world. But still, do you think we overlook him in the conversation of both future number one players in the world as well as future Grand Slam champions? Do you see that in his future? And, you know, not just off of this one performance, but just given his general level over the past two years. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I do necessarily because I, I don't know. I've seen a lot of good in his game over the last few years, especially when it comes to clay court season. Um, and I think a ton of that gets overshadowed by he's how the heir apparent to Nadal, Nadal is. Yeah, exactly. The... And so Nadal is that good on clay. And so he, you know, like Federer and Djokovic and Nadal and Murray have always done, they cast a shadow over the next sort of crew below them. And I think this is especially true for someone like Team, particularly on clay, where that's a huge opportunity for him. You know, but Nadal hasn't really stepped out of the role for him to step into it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. I think that I would say once these old guys, <laughs> these old guys, once the top four right now phase out, I think we will see team in potentially in that number one spot. My only thing for him is that if he continues to play as many tournaments as he does and tires himself out, I don't think he'll consistently be in that top four. I think we'll see him there for periods. He'll have some slumps and then he'll move back so it's i think it will be one of those things where we'll see him in that top spot he might win a grand slam or two here and there but i think it's going to be hard for him to be consistent unless we see him take some time off but alex i can see you getting restless and well we can I'll, definitely move on to this next match unless well, you want to take a well i'll a just quick say take. well and on this dominic team 38 and 14 on the year two titles live rankings has him as number eight after this tournament Hopefully we get to see him at the World Tour Finals. I can't. I, I really don't know if we're going to see Federer the rest of this year, but that's a debate for another time. I, I, I just think the level he showed, these hard courts keep getting slower and slower, and if he can hit one-handed backhands like that, again, that's the takeaway from this, is I have never seen someone with a one-handed backhand, and I think I'm speaking for everyone when I say this, generate that type of power, depth, angle, just every shot in the arsenal. The only thing I'd say, the backhand slice would be nice if it was a little bit better, but still, tremendous performance from Dominic team. You know, it's, it's unfortunate anyone had to lose that match. But shout out to Ben Stiller and Rob Lowe, by the way, both at the match. Stayed the whole time. Shout out to them. Yeah, the cameras were loving Stiller. It, oh, it literally loving. panned to him every other second. So <laughs> it was crazy. If I was Nadal and I got a text from Ben Stiller, obviously I say yes, but I go, Ben, can you please be White Goodman? Just come as White Goodman. <laughs> and he's on the court, spare me, Dominic. I won that match. <laughs> and he just, f***ing Boleani. And he just curses him out like he's Chuck Norris. So that was a deep cut from Dodgeball. Obviously, neither of you guys remember the movie that well. So we'll move on to our say, next match. That was very much a for you thing. The voice <laughs> was the the voiceover wasn't good. Uh, it, there was no context there. Well, to our cro- to our GSP Dodgeball crossover crowd, thank you for appreciating that. But yes, as you mentioned, our next match, number three seed Juan Martin Del Potro takes out the last American in the draw, or at least the last American male singles player in the draw, not trying to discount Serena. John Isner, the 11th seed, 6-7, I don't want to criticize Isner because I thought he played really well in this match, but Jamie, is it wrong to say this, you know, the points in this match were a little monotonous? Uh, I mean, 100%. I think 
I feel like it's kind of a broken record when we come to points on Isner. Um, and to his credit, you know, especially this past year, he's definitely come into his own in terms of accepting what his game needs to be. Uh, I think the year and years prior, he's just been very reluctant to accept the fact that, you know, the points he's going to play aren't typical ground stroke points. Um, you know, you would see him come into points and, you know, he would get a few bomb a serve in. And it would come back and, you know, instead of just going for the winner off the first <laughs> ball, which is what he needs to be doing because he can't, you know, move that well and he's nine feet tall, he would try and grind with people who are just ten times better at ground stroking than he is. And so it's nice to see him do the smart thing. And so that's how he got a set out of this. That's how he's been doing so well for the um, for 2018. But, you know, at the end of the day, Juan Martin just has a more complete game, and I think that came through. I've said it before. Isner's a closet grinder. <laughs> he wants to be. Yeah, yeah, he does. <laughs> he's envious of it. He's envious. Yeah, he's also, envious of it. Nice. Hey, great shot. Yeah, um, tripped over myself there. It's fine. It's all right. That's but, what yeah. happens when you're nine feet tall. Yeah. <laughs> Except but I'm not. For sure. I, I think the thing that was obvious in this match, I mean, you saw it pretty early on in the second set. I mean, Isner was tired, man. He's played two five-set matches here in... It's been hot, it's been humid, and he was getting, you know, hands were on the knees starting kind of early on in that second set. So I think that pretty much the second I saw that, I knew this match was going downhill. I I honestly didn't even think Isner was going to get a set in this match, so kudos to him for that. Uh, But, you know, he definitely was showing some fatigue. You look at some of the big numbers from this match. Del Potro, 49 winners against 14 unforced errors. Yeah, and yes, Unreal. Isner hit 67 winners in this match. So there's a lot of times Del Potro just can't get there. And that's a testament to John. As we've mentioned, he had his most success when he was stepping up early, trying to take returns early. You know, again, these U.S. Open courts are so slow. So maybe when he was two steps behind the baseline, kind of played to that Del Potro slice, sometimes he was able to run around, really go after the inside-out forehand. Really, you know, he was so disciplined in approaching to the Del Potro backhand. That's a credit to him. Uh, For Isner, 67 winners against 52 unforced errors. Good performance. Uh, The first serve percentage, Del Potro, 63. Isner, 61. Has to be a little bit higher than that because, as you mentioned, Jamie, anytime it went to his end, you know, second serve points, Isner won 55%, but it just felt like anytime it was a second serve, Del Potro, all he had to do was get the point back to neutral. And you look at when Del Potro broke in the second, that 6-3 second set, Isner goes one of five on first serves during that game. He ends up getting broken at 1-2 in the second. Uh yeah, I mean, the margins were thin. Delpo, an incredible 20 of 22, 91% on net points. Isner, 20 of 32, 63%. That's not bad. But again, it, it comes down to Isner could hurt Del Potro, but he couldn't reliably hurt Del Potro. And if you're letting Delpo hold easily and Isner, you know, no breaks in this match, 0 of 3 on break points, you're just not going to beat him. I mean, yeah. Delpo winning 89% of his first serves like that, it's crazy. That's a, it's a crazy stat. Also, I think this could be the, the least amount of distance covered in a match between two <laughs> players throughout the whole tournament, both being at set like just under 7500 total feet is crazy. That's hilarious. I mean, it's just I mean, it's what you expect, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I yeah. no, sorry Jamie, do you want to go? 
Yeah, and you know that that is what you expect from an Isner match, and especially when Isner is playing, you know, another big guy. Uh, but what's different about this match is it's not just a big guy with a big serve against a big guy with a big serve. You know, I talked about it before, and like I said, Del Potro just has such he just has so many more options, right? And so he has so many more ways he can hurt you. Yes, he has a big serve, but he also has a huge forehand. You know, he can move incredibly well for someone, you know, his size. And so it's just all of those things coming at you. Is just It was just a little too much. So two, two takeaways from this match. The first one, uh, you know, Rothman, as you mentioned, the total distance covered, Del Potro, 75, 67.5 feet. Isner, 7407.5. Del Potro under 30 feet per point, uh, you know, that's nothing. And you just have to think moving forward, again, compared to an Nadal who's had the Kachnov battle, who has this battle, you know, now again, uh, you just have to think Del Potro's well-rested. This is the first set he lost. And again, this wasn't the most strenuous match. There were a lot of winners. There was a lot of incredible shot-making. I thought this was a fun match to watch, but still, Delpo has to be the freshest player going into these semifinals. And that will bold, uh, bode well for him. Uh, you know, what was it? What? I'm trying to think of what my second takeaway was. Hey, great remember. shot. Oh, my God. Hey, leave, great leave shot. That, leave great. that in as well. Great, great, great shot, great uh, shot. Look, I had a second point. Big balls, big balls. Uh, oh, hey, I, I remember it now. I remember, hey, my, I remember now. Shot, I remember it now. I remember it now. All right, leave That's a great shot. Leave that is the, the greatest shot. So good. Look, when we shot was so when we record after twelve, it it gets loopy. Oh my god! You guys need a Fortnite session, and the other one needs food. Um, Wow, I'm down for some Fortnite. So great shot. My second point from this match: something Del Potro did. (laughs) Something Del Potro did really well. The backhand down the line in this match. Isner attacked it, but for Delpo, that was his way of changing direction on Isner. When you play Nadal, the lefty, you got to get balls to his backhand, especially for Delpo, so he can play the forehand. That's going to be a crucial shot, and it looked good in this one. Yeah, no, and I think that's a bigger theme, too. Like, you're, you're absolutely right. Taking it down the line's a big step for him. Um, but just in general, to see Del Potro's backhand progress over the last two years since he's really come back seriously from his injuries— um, that's, that's just been incredible to me because when you first saw him, you know, he came back up on the stage during the Olympics and you saw him and it was great to see him back. He still had the firepower on the forehand like he always has, but every time he got in some sort of rally where it went to his backhand, he was slicing it 90% of the time. Um, and so it's great to see him start actually ripping the ball, you know, taking some offense and, and granted against Isner, you know, his backhand doesn't have to do as much as it does against somebody who can track down all those balls. Nonetheless, like you said, Gresson, great to see him actually taking some offense with that backhand. Yeah, and I'm actually going to take this one away. I think we've you know, definitely covered this match, and I'm really excited to see what happens in this Delpo-Nadal semifinal. We'll see if Any Nadal Any final is- takes on the Isner-Gimmelstab pairing? Are you de- that was the bromance is- of the tournament. I mean, yeah, also one of those guys where they just pan to you after literally every single point yeah, with the camera. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, okay, Flickner, violin yeah, the, us. The fist, bumps, the fist bumps between them were uh, just, I, I mean, there was some love. There was some love in those so, fist bumps. So Flickner, violin us. It's hilarious. <laughs> and 
and we're back. And as you mentioned, Rothman, let's talk about our next match because you, you put a bow on that Delpo Isner one. And, it, and Alex, I'm actually I'm gonna cut you off before you start the intro to this match because I'm so excited that you threw this little tidbit in <laughs> the outline I knew because you'd like this I one. literally. The second this match started, I was like, there's no way he's doing this. So what I'm referring to, before I, before I get to this. I'm so happy. Ta- before you say it, I'm so happy you noticed that detail. I knew you would, too. I saw it, and I thought, oh, my God, this is it. Yeah. So so first of all, we're talking about the Kane Ishikori marin Chilich match. K winning 2-6-6-4-7-6-4-6-6-4. And the thing that we're referencing is is that Kane Ishikori was playing with a popped collar. Well, ever now, since I can remember, I've been popping my collar. Oh, God. <laughs> we definitely know it's getting late now. Um, I think the... I already called Benoit out for playing with a popped collar. And, and yeah, that's... I guess we're, like, saying that's his thing now. I still think he's a <laughs> for doing it. Like, nobody wear, actually wears a popped collar. And so when I saw Kay doing it... I actually thought it was a joke. Like, I thought something was wrong with his shirt and that, like, it just was like that and he, like, didn't realize it. But I think it was purposeful and I'm it's, I'm blown away. I'm speechless. Like, I have no idea what he's doing. Well, let's not, let's not you know, gloss over all of the, you know, appearance and potentially fashion things you could possibly point to in this match. <laughs> First of all. Let's talk about Nishkoi's rackets. Okay, let's let's take away his play for a second. I could spend an hour talking about this dude's rackets. Like, Isn't it just a Wilson? When I see those things. I couldn't even name it. It it physically <laughs> hurts me to look at these rackets. And like, and you know how a lot of times on the changeovers, you know, the camera crew will try and do some like cool like pan into the rackets. It literally just looked like a pile of <laughs> on the screen when they zoomed in on his rackets. It was nuts. I was like, you guys got to get this out of here. So that's my first thing. Second of all, the pop collar, hell of a look, bring it back. But also for Chillich, <laughs> the guy needs to wear a size bigger shirt, at least. The tail of his shirt barely gets to his waistband. It's just, it, like, there are so many things you look at when you're seeing it. It's just like, oh, my God, like, oh, it, it hurts good. me. I mean, and not to say that the all feel great, you I know, don't know, outfit I mean, is phenomenal. Also, Nishikori but, was rocking, like, orange shorts with a white and green shirt i I mean there was yeah i'm with you man the fashion in this match was horrendous they look like the spoiled 12 year old who shows up to the tournament like fully decked out (laughs) and then just gets absolutely wiped like one and oh first round goes to the back draw like just gets gets a default and then just gets torched the next round it's like it's the classic kid from the tournaments but anyway no there should never be a fila white shirt they should just ban that because it it's not the best of looks. My other thing, uh, last fashion note, Rothman, do you think he's popping his collar because he's afraid of getting sunburnt? I feel like that's a you tactic. <laughs> I was just saying, that's what I was doing at Stowe because I'm the whitest man in the world <laughs> and my neck would have gotten third degree burns if I hadn't done say, it. Low key, I think that was a strategy play. I, I like, I, I agree. I think so. But too. all right, it had to Jamie, it literally you're had to the pipe piper of Kei Nishikori. You oh, love boy. him more than anyone oh, I know. If I remember correctly, you were the one who said he was the biggest winner from Wimbledon, and you were trying to remind people to get excited. What's your take on this match? That actually is true. However, I will say that I'm not just like a fanboy of Nishikori. <laughs> like, I I just completely respected his comeback to the game, and so that's what I talked about in Wimbledon. Actually, I wasn't going to brag about that, but thank you for reminding me. I did call that call that out about you know how look, his we give credit where credit is due, and we criticize where criticism hey, is due. And look. 
Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I get a fair bit, fair <laughs> amount of that, and I give a fair amount of it to you, so that's that's well, that's fine, fine, I guess. But truthfully, I did think Chilich was going to win this match. Um, you know, I'm unfortunately, you. yeah, the old the old eight to five grind. I didn't get to watch this, but as I was watching the scoreline in my head, I was like, okay, you know, Chilich is going to pull this out. Um, Chilich is going to pull this out. Then in the fifth set, you know, Nishikori gets that break. He rides it for a while. Then Chilich breaks back, and I'm like, okay, Chilich is back in this. He's got this. Nishikori holds on, breaks to win the match. Um, and so overall, just another impressive performance from Nishikori. Kept his cool. You know, that's really all there was to I it. completely agree with you. I, I believe you said this early on. I thought Chilich was going to win this match. Or if that wasn't you, I, that might have been mm-hmm. Rothman who said that. Uh, yeah, it it's me. just... Nishikori for the first set and a half did not have a weapon to hurt Chilich whatsoever. And you look at some of the stats from this match in the first set, Nishikori only made 39% of his first serves. Yeah, he won 56% of those nine points on the first serve and he wins some of his second serve points. But it was just a complete liability. Chilich was dictating from the onset of every point. You know, for Chilich, if you give him time, he's going to make you pay. To me, he's slightly sheer version of Del Potro only with a backhand if that makes sense and a slightly worse serve but you uh, yeah look they're both tall is the theme of that statement but you just you look at some of the stats from this match for Chilich you know the big thing I want to point on this is a Rothman special 19 aces seven double faults Chilich had back-to-back double faults after he went up 4-3 in the third set breaker and then down 5-6 because he won one of Nishikori's serve points. He misses the first serve and hit an 82-mile-per-hour softball that I swear to God, Rothman, in doubles, you would have hit that second serve through the kid at the net. Like, it was straight up a junior-level serve, someone who had no confidence. And I, I just wonder, you know, for Chilich. I still think that's always been his issue. His serve is just not where someone who's 6'6 should be. I completely agree. I mean, he did have a top speed of 135, which is not. pretty fat, pretty fast. I mean, I think I can probably <laughs> oh, shut clock the in a 135. Get that's... out of here. <laughs> Again, you ate... Uh, Do you remember when... Dude, Grossian, remember when Stokoyak was on here and I, we just had to stop him because he was talking about Anderson and he and he goes he goes yeah dude his average first serve speed was only like one twenty six like I think that's got to be bigger and I was like mm, what that's that huge. is his average. also anyway, literally sorry. Rothman you Not- ace Nishioka one time and you think you're this god sense you think you have this oh golden god. shoulder it's this. unbelievable. I don't want to hear about this. Oh, I'm telling you, this. it's not golden. It is in pieces. Is, it, <laughs> it is, is the CR tournament going to be that. singles or doubles? I what have we that. decided? We, Dalton said both. It's going to be like 30 minutes. It's going to be yeah. like 30 minutes popping Advil. Everyone's going to be like, realistically, Gornet's <laughs> just going to everyone. Like, he just, he played one at Louisville. Oh, well, yeah. Like, he straight up, Rothman, I know better. you're, I see in your head, you're like, oh, I can slap with anyone. But he's going to, fu- I hope he fucking destroys you. Oh, he's gonna well, murder I'm, you. I'm most excited to just go back and whoop Dalton <laughs> again because for some reason he thinks he's I know good it's unbelievable. It's um, but back to the match, I-, I think another great statistic to point out is both of them had really good days at the net. Chilich though going 19 of 23, that's an 83 percent conversion rate. That's impressive, and that's I mean. I'm surprised that wasn't enough to get him through this match. Well, the the big thing, Nishikori, 8 of 11, 73% on net points, but only 11, I mean, it's, yeah, it's 11 in five sets. You're right, that's nothing. You look at the break points in this match. 
Chilich six of thirteen on break points. Nishikori four of eight total distance covered. Chilich about ninety seven hundred for Nishikori about ten thousand eight hundred. Chilich was the aggressor, and when it comes down to winner to unforced air count, Chilich fifty seven or winners against seventy unforced airs. He he had the match in his hands, in my opinion. He just missed. Yeah, Alex, that's a it's a good point that you make. Even twenty three net points is pretty low for a big hitter like Chilich for a five set match. I mean, that's four ish net points per set. And I think that just goes to show that he was playing Nishikori's game. Nishikori is the kind of guy who is going to grind from the baseline, hit big shots and, and hit some winners from the back. And I think that goes to show that he was kind of playing to Nishikori in this match. I think you're right. Absolutely. Something we need to see more of from Chilich is getting in there and finishing points at the net. Um, you know, five sets, that's just not enough times to come to the net, especially since, you know, that stat that stat line includes so many just putaways that were the product of, you know, a good ground stroke rally and then coming in off of a ridiculously floating ball. You know, over the course of five sets, you got to come to the net more than that. Um, conversion rate wasn't the problem, obviously. Um, it was the just sheer amount of, you know, putting yeah, that I completely agree with you. And for Nishikori, he's back up now to number 12 in the live rankings you know he gets revenge after he lost to Chilich in the U.S. Open final whatever year that was you know he's he's progressively got better as this match went along when he's on top of the baseline when he's moving players out of the you know the outer thirds of the court moving them off the court opening it up for himself he's a threat against anyone and you know he's a little susceptible to being hit off the court but he's likely no no actually now I I see Novak Djokovic the the last match from this quarterfinal round took out John Millman 6-3-6-4-6-4 as we were recording this pod so that's who Nishikori matches up with next and actually let's use that to segue into our previews of these semifinal matches again semifinal means there's only two of them and since we're not going to talk about the Djokovic match let's talk first about the Djokovic Nishikori semifinal you look at the stats from these guys career head-to-head Djokovic has dominated this one he leads 14 to 2 their last meeting was at Wimbledon this year as we mentioned Djokovic took out Nishikori 6-3-3-6-6-2-6-2 their last meeting on hard court the ATP finals in 2016 Djokovic took out Nishikori 1-1 the last time Nishikori won was against actually Djokovic in the 2014 US Open that's the year he made the final against Chilich winning that match 6-4-1-6-7-6-6-3 Rothman I mean, fourteen to two is pretty lopsided. What do you think Nishikori's thinking going into this match? I mean, if I'm Nishikori and I watch highlights or honestly just a little bit of a replay of this match against Millman, I'm honestly feeling pretty good. Djokovic looked like trash tonight, and I know we're we're not going to talk too much about that match, but it seriously was concerning. At times, he looked like he was going to pass out. He was doing the the Djokovic flailing thing where he like hits a shot and then flails his racket you all over the place. You low-key love and... to rip on Djokovic. You love it. Yep. I I do because <laughs> I think I so think I. he deserves it. He's too good to be doing that kind of shit. Like, seriously, he... I think he just was tight and maybe wasn't feeling well and maybe wasn't playing well. But if when Fed was doing that, did you see him flailing and making all these faces and, and going to his box? No, and obviously I'm going to disagree. I'm pretty sure on the emergency pod you complained about Fed's body language. Okay, yeah, yes, that is different though. I, Fed's body language was very subtle, and it's true. it was. But 
for Fed, that is a huge That's deal. That's so I mean, we funny. Usually see nothing Fed, from Fed accidentally blinks and it's a big deal. I mean, seriously, though, that's how perfect this dude is. Like, he literally doesn't ever show anything, and so to see that little bit from him was all the difference. But, I mean, Djokovic was flailing all over the place. He had a crazy number of unforced errors. He had 53 to his total winners of 29. That is bad. So, overall, I mean, I know it was a shorter match. I know Nishikori had a five-setter, but Nishikori looks really good right now, so... I'm expecting this to go four or five unless Djokovic like drastically changes his play or feels way better than he did in this match. I I almost want to take Nishikori. That's bold. Uh, Especially given the track record. Nishikori does look better. He does look better. hundred percent. But at the end of the day, Nishikori looks better after what Djokovic did to Gasquet. He dyed his hair. The guy's, like, so out of his mind right now. Like, you, you cannot tell me that dude walked onto the court and you're like, oh, this guy okay. looks like he's ready that's to win good. this match. Like, are you kidding me? There's not a that's chance fair. in So that's, no, I don't count that. Like, yes, he looked clean. But at the end of the day, he knew that if he kept, like, four good balls in, Gasquet was going to, like, tighten up and just implode, basically. And anyway, regardless of that, what I think this shows to me, at least, and, you know, maybe Nishikori will pull this off and, you know, shock the world but i think it's just showing how tough it is to beat these top players djokovic federer and nadal i mean look federer that's the worst at least i that's the worst i've seen him look in a long time and he still had set points in second set and third set and was in the match literally until the end and that's the worst i've seen federer in so long you know take it to nadal too team played ungodly and still I mean, that match was so tight. It took so much for Nadal to pull that out. And team played so, so well, and he still couldn't get it done, you know? And so it's one of those things where how well does Nishikori have to play? How on fire does this dude well, have to for, be? Well, I think for Djokovic, a sneaky game? number in this know. match against Millman. Yeah, it's only three sets, but he moves 13,689.9 feet. That is, again, significantly, that's almost double what Delpo did against Isner, and it's only three sets. I think... You, 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 you have to imagine the reason Nishikori has had such difficulties against Djokovic. He doesn't have a weapon he can turn to to hit Djokovic off the court. In this match, he's going to have to make a high percentage of his ser- first serves, probably somewhere up in the 65 and up range. You know, 11 net points sounds about right in this match against Djokovic as well, but he's going to have to really hone in on, you know, in his match against Chilich, a little less solid in that one. He hits... 29 winners against 45 unforced errors. If that's the ratio he has against Djokovic, that's not going to work, right, Jamie? Yeah, and I think the biggest problem just from a stylistic standpoint on this is like, at least for the, I mean, God, you look at this matchup, so it's 14 to 2 overall. For their careers, I mean, if you get both of these guys on the court, Djokovic is just a better version of what Nishikori does, you know? So in a lot of ways, it's like, yeah, it's very hard to win points against a guy who's just a little bit better at you at pretty much everything in your game. Um, and so, like I said, I, I think Nishikori is going to have to come you. up with I'll special. say this. The thing Nishikori had more success doing as the Chilich match went on, as we've mentioned, these courts are so slow, but as opposed to standing you know, at the fence on these returns, Nishikori started to move forward against Chilich, try and take his serve early. You know, Even though it has a high kick, try and t- cut it off, you know, take it inside the baseline. He's going to have to have success doing that against Djokovic if he wants any chance. All right, let's do it straight up. Give me the picks. Jamie first, then Rothman. 
Yeah, of course. For that match? Djokovic, give me a score. Djokovic. Let, let's have a little fun. Oh, boy. Okay. Djokovic wins it. 6-4, uh, 5-7. I like it. 6-4, 6-3. Oh, God. I mean, I, I would love to take Nishikori in five. Um, no way. I don't think it'll happen. I think I think, I think think it'll end up going five. So I'll take Djokovic in five. Uh, he's going to lose the first probably 6-3. He'll have a shaky start. Uh, he'll win the next two. Nishikori will take the fourth, and he'll win the fifth. Fifth will be a 6-4 set. So I, I'm going to say it's 3-6, 6-4, 7-5, 4-6, 6-4. Okay, that's interesting. I'm gonna take Djokovic in four as well. I think I'm with Jamie on this. Ah, do I just do the straight up three so we're all different? No, I'm gonna give Nishikori a set. He's playing too well. I'm gonna say it's six four six three five seven six two, and Djokovic takes the win. You know, he loses the third in a close physical one, but then just kind of you know goes up to that next level in that final set. But all right, with that, let's talk about our other semifinal. Probably the most anticipated match of the tournament thus far since we didn't get Djokovic fed. We've got number one seed Rafael Nadal against number 30 seed Juan Martin Del Potro. Nice tongue Thank roll. Thank you very much. Career head-to-head. Oh, but then, then the weak accent on Del uh, Potro. Well, Laura has taught me the tongue roll, but not the Del Potro yet, so I'll have to go back to her. Uh, <laughs> career head-to-head, Nadal leads 11-5. Their last meeting, Nadal took out Delpo. 7-5, 6-7, 4-6, 6-4, Also in the Wimbledon 2018 quarterfinal. Interesting to see a lot of those guys at Wimbledon have success now. It's almost probably because Nishikori, Djokovic, Del Potro, the opposite of team, lighter schedules, guys coming back from injuries, haven't had their bodies worn down all year. At least that's my initial judgment of why I think it is like that. Uh, again, Nadal won- has won the last three meetings. Their last meeting on hard court, Nadal took out Delpo. 4-6-6-0-6-3-6-2 in last year's U.S. Open semifinal. The last time Delpo beat Nadal, though, 2016 Olympic semifinal, 5-7-6-4-7-6. One of my all-time favorite matches. Rothman, we've alluded to this question, but just give me a straight answer now. Who comes in fresher to this point? of the, And I'm not talking fresher with the looks because Nadal with the sleeveless versus just Del Potro <laughs> always is a good debate. But, you know, who is coming to this match in better form? Because it's hard to argue Nadal could play any better than that effort he gave against team. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought at first you were referring to who's going to be fresher as far as, you know, physically. Well, um, that as well. Be... I mean, I think that's obvious. I mean, Delpo has had the easier route. Um, they both look great. I I honestly think Delpo hasn't necessarily been tested enough, and I think that's somewhat of uh, a reason to be concerned with him in this match. If Nadal comes out and tests him a little more than he's used to I guess for this tournament it might be something he hasn't seen yet and might catch him a little off guard well that's Um, probably why it's so good that he lost that first set against Isner right get that experience under his belt sure yeah go down it was wasn't that the first set he had lost absolutely yeah so yeah but what is but I mean what's What's a tiebreak set lost to Isner, right. really? Well, I, mean, I guess my counter to that is know. he goes to the third set tiebreak, wins that tiebreaker. So clearly, you know, tiebreakers are in flux. Anyone can win any tiebreaker. But it's this idea that, you know, mentally he wasn't down. He understood and embraced the fact that when you're playing John Isner, you're going to play tiebreaker tennis, and sometimes you lose one or two. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, 
And I think, I think too, yeah. So I was just going to say, I think in terms of just the mental aspect, I think Nadal is coming into this match maybe with a better, you know, mindset just because in this tournament alone, I mean, look what he just fought off. Um, you know, he fought off an absolutely waxing the ball team. I love that. You you guys know I love that <laughs> phrase. But that's what he was doing. He was just slapping the ball. And you're going to see this you're going to see the slaps from Del Potro. And so Nadal's ready for a lot of that so, pace. Uh, maybe not some of the flat pace on the run we see from Del Potro, but you get what I mean. He's he's seen the pace and he's been inc- tested incredibly. So that's actually a point that I was uh, and a question that I was going to ask you to. Obviously, team was smacking the ball and that is something Delpo does. Are their forehands Very different, different though? I, mean, I was going to Delpo's. Stra- yeah, it's, it's a lot so flatter. They're so different. The ball flight, the ball flight is so different. So no, I wasn't saying from a technical aspect like that's why he's going to be ready because he's seen sure. the same shot. Not at all. I'm just saying in terms of someone who's going to go huge on ground strokes, you know, he's defended that and sort of fended that off and come well, out on top. Yeah, no, and that's I feel fair. like I say this every time yeah, now, but I think the key for Nadal. Moving forward, when he exposes the Del Poe slice, when he gets Del Potro stretched, and yes, again, the the biggest thing for Del Poe, as I said earlier, (laughs) taking that backhand on the rise down the line, changing direction on Nadal. If Nadal, like in this match against team, goes, you know, 36 of 56 at the net, if he's coming forward that often, shortening points, not trying to have these huge forehand-to-backhand exchanges with Delpo or backhand slice to forehand or just whatever lengthy exchange. I think that's the way Nadal wins this match, by coming forward, by being the aggressor. He's going to have to serve a big first percentage as well because, you know, if he gives Del Potro time to run around the backhand, hit forehand returns at the tarp, much like Team did in his match, he often ran around that one-handed backhand, especially on the deuce side. Then if Del Potro gets a first forehand to start the rally, you know, the point's at neutral. Yeah, I think the other big thing for Delpo in this match, I think he needs to come into the net a little more. I think that's something that team needed to do more in that match, and I think you're going to disagree no, with me here. I, I've been saying I Delpo really, low-key average volleyer. Uh, well, I sure, but I, I think if he wants to win this match, with the courts being this slow— his forehand isn't as effective, and I, I know you know he hits hard enough. He can hit through the court, sure. But I think with team, if he had been more comfortable to come in the net, especially when he hits the angled forehand to Nadal's backhand, it would really help him close off the court. Yeah, I mean, one thing that's kind of tough, just comparing the games. When we, we saw this a little bit. Team made the mistake of he would he would go huge on an approach shot, and it wouldn't necessarily be for a winner, so he didn't give himself enough time to come into the net, and he would just get passed. Um, and so what I don't want to see is Del Potro coming in off balls. You know, he shouldn't, and getting passed a bunch. Um, and, and additionally, you got to think about the fact that Del Potro's game, especially when he's hitting flat balls like that, um, and he's not the fastest. You know, he's, he's good moving forward. He's decent. But he's not the fastest, and so what I don't want to see is, you know, him getting in a trap of, oh, I need to get to the net to finish the point hits a ball that's real flat, Nadal gets on the end of it, passes him before he's even at the service line. Um, and so, you know, you saw team come in on the wrong ball, I think, a few times. You saw team get a little tentative and not put balls away. If Del Potro can come in at the right times, I think it's a great play, but I don't think that can be his plan A. completely agree with you. Well, then, real quickly before we go, give me the picks. Rothman, Jamie. I'm going to take Del Potro in five. Just straight up? It. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna do it. What did you do um, on Turnitopia? I don't know. I actually have 
Yeah, I, I have Delpo beating Nadal in this, and then I've got Djokovic taking down Delpo in the final. Can we just say, of the Cracked Rackets team, anymore. who's ranked the highest right now in Tourneytopia, Jamie? Oh, stop Oh, me? That's horn. hilarious. Put the cube in my chest. You? Put the cube. Put the cube in my, in my chest. Put the cube in my chest. Jamie, put, put the, the prediction on the pod. In my chest. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. Oh, man. I want to see Delpo. Oh, I want to see Delpo just hit a ton of winners and win this. But um, with what I saw from last night, just in terms of getting through a match, I think I don't I, – Mm, I don't know if I can bet against Nadal. I go Nadal on either four or five. Let's yeah, let's let's say five. I made let's this pick from five. the get go. I'm sticking with it. it the best player, the highest level I've seen from anyone is Juan Martín Del Potro. These courts are slow. Gives him time to run around, hit his forehand. Gives him time to get to that backhand. Gives him time to take backhands up the line. He's my guy. I think Nadal runs out of a little bit of steam. Delpo in four very close sets. We'll say four, six, five, six, four, seven, five, six, seven, seven, five. All right. Well, then with okay. that, you know, there you go. those are our semifinal reviews. Those are the quarterfinal recaps. There's only one thing left to do on this podcast, and you know <clears> what it is. Fligner, you know if what you it could, is. cue the drum roll, please. <laughs> It's time for this week's changeover chat. The changeover chat. Jamie, one of these times. I think I was a little flat I thought there. Jamie was going to harmonize with you. So let's try it one more time. Rothman, can you give me uh, a double? It's time for this week's changeover <clears throat> chat. The changeover chat. The changeover <laughs> chat. <laughs> That's that awesome. I'm all in on it. Dude, trying to match pitch, trying to match pitch over this like computer audio. Stop. 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 We're glad to but hear anyway, it. Well, then we'll move on. We'll, we'll get it it's, down it's next difficult. time. It's gonna sound. It's gonna sound. It's gonna sound. So oh bad. yeah, in that is a oh, preview. Yeah, we sure. will have a song segment. Assuming assuming Dalton has probably <laughs> bought the rights to the entire Katy Perry album, we'll be able to do a little Katy Perry karaoke <laughs> on the live show. I'm glad. But all right, karaoke. Yeah, I mean, hey, sure. Uh, I'm Good glad. <laughs> All right, well, let's, okay, with job. that, let's start the stats <laughs> portion of the changeover chat. chat. Yeah. I only have one stat for you guys today, but if you guys have any, feel free to throw them in after. But for today, Marin Ch- oh, no, no, including today's, Marin Chilich played his 10th five-set match at the U.S. Open. His record is now 8-2, and two, both losses to Kei Nishikori. I think that's interesting. Loses 10, 2010 round of 64 and 5, loses now in 5. I don't know, I just, I thought that was particularly compelling so that's my stat for you guys today well okay thank you learn something i was gonna say roth isn't that right rothman claims that's all, that's rothman's nice all in on this new tidbit. segment max's facts and it's just because he's glad he's got it's literally to compete with alex's trivia it's like kroger brand cheerios <laughs> to my honey nut special. well no it's it's different it's different it's just a it's a different side of th- but okay only one fact for you guys with that we'll get into our biggest winners and losers no number count on you guys because there's only so many players left in the draw but jamie who are your biggest losers man i think you <laughs> i think you have it spot on on this i'm sorry to steal it we can we can go back and forth on this because i think it is in general <laughs> the tennis playing community we do the look heat rule is like soft. i totally understand the and heat rule but it we look terrible. so f- soft oh my god I mean, hold on a second. I, I just got to say, terrible. for those and, of you watching the Djokovic 
uh, Millman match tonight. They stopped at two all in the second set because Millman was too sweaty. Dude, <laughs> he needed people to are dripping all is over that, yeah, this yeah. court. <laughs> it is f-ing disgusting. But like, come on. <laughs> yeah, no, it's. I mean, these guys are schwitzing like Hazard. Yeah. It's unbelievable. They're schwitzing. <laughs> Dude, well, the the biggest problem to me is like you know tennis as a sport is just simply not respected at least in America, it's just not respected at all. Um, and there are a host of issues that goes along with this. I could talk about this for two hours, but the whole heat rule thing and just showing the players like faces, like just close up every changeover and they all look like they're just going to pass out or vomit or like die or all three at the same time. It's just like, Oh my God. And then all we hear about is the heat. Like, Oh, why'd you lose the heat? Why'd you do the heat? What was wrong? The heat. And so it's literally just like, the that's heat, the heat, the all heat. that is being said about this tournament. Like, yeah, it was really hot. Um, it was humid. I was sweating. Like, it, it, yeah, we get it. And that's true. But at the same time, like you got to play. And so it's been frustrating for me because it's like, okay, it just reiterates the fact that, like, y'all are so soft yeah, out there. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm right there with you, Jamie. I, my One of my biggest losers was honestly Djokovic today because of the way he acted on court. And I know I ripped on him earlier, but yep. he's a loser in my mind because of that. <laughs> that. That's part of why people look at us and they're like, yeah. you're I, soft. And I can't really argue with them if you watch so, that match. So to give yeah. my – oh, sorry. No, no, I go know. on well, if you have any more. No, yeah. no, because my take is a more – Mine's more tennis Twitter specific. I was specific, gonna say to so give you. Mine. Oh, well, okay, fair enough. I was gonna say my actual loser from this match is the most obvious, and we don't need to spend time on it. But it's Federer. Um, not only the expectations, but you know he's wearing the Uniqlo. So my counterpoint, counterpoint, he like, looked, ooh, he looked I don't know. so What's cooking? good What's in cooking? The all red. Like low key, that was a great outfit. It was a good kit. It was a good kit. He Rocking. looked clean. He looked clean. He. He looked clean, but then he also lost to, as someone like McEnroe would said, a person who apparently is the equivalent <laughs> of a minor league baseball player. Um, yeah, but we don't so, agree with that. For the record, God, that, we do, that, that, that sentiment is not tell. echoed at the Great Shot Podcast, no. nor as from Cracked Rackets as an organization. No. So Jamie is just speaking colloquially. No, but that that comment made— No, my comment was being sarcastic about it. That exactly, made me mad. and that comment made waves on— Twitter which is Twitter perfect amongst gets me into I, I know I love Alex, you doing I set that. you up that was literally God. that's the equivalent of you hitting a first that is the that no that that's me. the do side t serve Rothman where I just get the easy poach forehand poach so I appreciate it <laughs> no that was me dude that was me save Why it for the CR talk? tournament okay. that's that all was I have me. to all say right, whatever. yeah <laughs> take credit for whatever you want take no uh, take credit for whatever you want that was me in terms of tennis Twitter it's a two-sided thing the big beast from this week, I mean, the Ben Rothenberg-Brad Gilbert saga. Like, come on. That's what we – that's our Twitter beef. Why? Like, so Kyrgios getting in a beef with anyone is funny. There's a lot of funny sub-tweets from people that I just always enjoy. But some of the arguments we have on tennis Twitter, like three sets versus – best of three versus best of five. There are nuanced ways of having that discussion. There are fun ways of having that discussion. And then there's the way it's currently being discussed, which f***ing sucks. It's like – Yes, I, you don't need to tell me a million times, but if it's best two out of three, we're going to get upsets. And, Stan, and other than Stan, Murray, and the big three, like oh all these players, no one has won. Chillich won one slam, and yada, 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 yada. And cry me a f***ing river. Like, it does, as long as the viewer is willing to watch, and you look at last night's numbers, which were released, and the Nadal team crowd, 
It was a little lower than the Serena Pliskova match at its peak, but it maintained throughout the entire time. So just give me a break about this because it, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, wow. And the thing you don't that have I to say there. Well, Jamie, 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 you're on now. I'm... Wow, Alex, you you clearly had a lot to say well, about that. You feel like tennis, a little bit better well, after tennis that Because it's also one of my winners. Because it's been so fun. You get the instant highlights. A tennis highlight like basketball, one point can be so enticing. Just like one dunk or one three-point shot. Absolutely. It makes the highlights of tennis so viewer-friendly. And there are so many better ways, and I think Cracked Rackets has gone about doing that, which is why I keep recommending our multiple platforms, of making sure that you know tennis is broadcasted in an enjoyable fan friendly really you know just enticing way and sometimes tennis twitter just really does not do that jamie yeah no i think you're right and my biggest thing with the twitter was like you said these random arguments that were happening i'm so tired of them just like you are the god the the two out of three thing that's a horrible in my opinion it's a horrible argument to say oh hey give these other people a chance if it's two out of three someone else might win if they're good enough to win best three out of five they deserve to win that's all I have to say there. Yeah, I hear you, Jamie. But I, I, I'm going to take us really quickly to my two winners. I know we've kept you guys on this pod for a long time, and I'll let Alex take us out after this. My, my two biggest winners for this round, I'm going to go with team. I know we lost the match, and I, I do think that it still should have gone to him, but he still deserves a lot of credit. He played amazing. I think it's a really good sign for what his 2019 year is going to look like. Hopefully he plays fewer tournaments so that he can make it farther in tournaments throughout the year and not get so tired. I don't know if that was a factor in this tournament. I don't think it was. I still think it would be helpful for him in the long run. Uh, well, and real quick, before you winner, share your I'm other winner, with- I just that's my one winner as well. Dominic Team is now firmly in my mind in yep. 2019. The conversation isn't just when is Alex Zverev going to break through. It's Zverev Team right now are a cut above you know the Chung Chorich Kyrgios generation just based on consistency. And yeah, Team's a little older, but I'm still going to count him as that up and coming. And for me, yeah, he joined that conversation firmly now. Absolutely. I mean, I, you know me, I'm I'm pretty much all in on him at this point. I think, like I said, I think he's going to be a number one at some point. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to be next year, but I'm super excited to see what he's going to bring to the 2019 tennis season. My last winner for this week, excuse me, my last winner for the quarterfinals are the fans again. Got to give them credit. The chair umpire can't shut these guys up. There were some rowdy drunkards that were drunkards. pissing off. Joke. Wow. Was it joke? Yeah, they were though. They're they're pissing off. Uh, was it? That was during the Djokovic match, right? Or wait, there were drunk people the throughout this weekend. Dude. Anyways, there were there. Yeah, were, but no, my favorite, my yeah. favorite. My favorite fans. The Delpo like, like box, box is incredible. It's unbelievable. Homies. I love it. They're dude. rowdy. It's nuts. They keep showing them. They get they get hyped. They're rowdy. Del Potro. What looks I'm saying up is ESPN flashes to so, them so, so often. Anyway, Just give yeah. them their own camera. I want the Delpo fan cam. Like I'm I'm kind of in on it. Absolutely. All right, Jamie, yeah, you get right. the last word. Who are your winners? Just keep it on. <laughs> oh, that's your, that's your only it. one. No I other believe. winners. You don't want to give teams or Nishikori your guy, just the revival again. Give him another. Just well, confirm the romance. 
I mean, we're an hour eleven in. Isn't that the theme of this? Isn't that the theme of this podcast? No, leave it all in for sure. Oh, good lord! All right, yeah. I mean, I think you got to give it to Nishikori for actually coming through on a match like this. Um, You know, his his comeback has sort of been coming in increments. You know, we saw it come through the tournaments. We we, we've talked about this, but he came through the Challenger Tour. Um, You know, then he gets up Wimbledon. He has a good showing, and here, then he breaks through, beats. Beats a pretty informed Chilich, um, gets into the semis. Like that's impressive. Completely stuff. agree He's with you. Well, then we're, we're sure. going to end with one final fun fact. Not in Alex's trivia, more of a Max's facts. So Fligner, cue the Max's facts trivia. Rothman, I queued it up for you. This day, six years ago, what happened? Andy Roddick played his final match, and I will say I did watch this match. Really sad to see him go. I loved watching him growing up. Obviously, big servers like each other. You know, <laughs> yeah, guys who can uh, serve and Andy do nothing Roddick. else. It explains a lot. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dude, oh, my God. But Andy Roddick played his final match of his pro career where he lost to Delpo in the fourth round, 6-7-7-6-6-2-6-4. Obviously, Roddick was Crazy that it's been six years. Although, my last hot take. Here's a final sizzle for you, Fligner. So, cue it, please. Andy Roddick, elite server bad tennis player just not bad like obviously he fucking destroyed See, you me can't no make, andy you roddick can't, is but you like, really can't make i'm that. sorry but like the, he did not have a complete alex game. you obviously can't make that take because then isner would be in that same conversation isner is in that same conversation <laughs> yeah it's so different bro nobody's going five sets the way that American roddick did players. against fed and wimbledon no, final dude roddick went, could just, oh come on! Yeah, that's that's come that's, on. A, that's a bad. Yeah, thing. Tell, can shut just, up. Yeah, what did you like about there. Andy Roddick? Nope. Fine, we'll save it for the live show. Can we yeah. save it for the live show? That's yeah. a sign that you're going crazy. All right, perfect. Sure. That'll be our final tease. Oh, we might have to. Sure. We have might have to bring in Roddick yeah. for that. Just to <laughs> Roger Rashid is gonna hang. No, Roger sure. Rashid will hang we'll get, up on we'll me. He'll be like, you know, I coached Andy during his prime. And I'll be like, yeah, I fucking know. Like he, the guy has never made two backhands in a row in his life. Like, oh hey, he uh, wasn't but, good. Okay, we'll leave that there. Again, one last time. Wait, whose backhand? We'll, we'll also have this. Whose backhand is worse, Roddick or Stevie? <laughs> <laughs> I asked Fliegner yesterday. I swear, I swear, this is the last joke. But I asked Fliegner, who does he model his backhand in the stand model, the team model, or the Federer model? And he goes to the Federer model, and I go, no, it's more the Steve Johnson model. <laughs> and that was that's, – that's uh, my ending joke for you guys. But okay, <laughs> one last time, if you've missed anything from this week, be sure to check out our website, CrackedRackets.com. We will keep you up to date with anything you want to know about this U.S. Open. Follow us on Twitter for those instant updates. Uh, you know, a huge thank you to our team there. And as always, a huge thank you to our super producers, Daniel Westhoff and Max Fligner, who have a good editing job to do, but who make us sound so much better than we actually are. But one last time, Rothman and Jamie, thank you both for taking the time to do this. You know it, baby. Of course. And for our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westhoff, for the holy trinity, I'm sticking with it, Maxwell LeBauer, Rothman, and James Foster McDonald. I am your host, yeah, Alex Gruskin. Maxwell, James, what do we say to our fans? Hey, great shot. Hey, great shot. Perfect, and we will see you all next week. Great job at you, Maxie. Great job at you, Alexander. <laughs> <laughs>